Vivian, hello. Oh, hello. How nice to see you. You've caught me watering the plants here in Mercer Walk. It's such a lovely place out here. We've got nice places to sit. And it's been such lovely hot weather. The plants are just desiccated. You see how dry everything has become. They're yes. desperate for a drink. So you caught me watering outside, but let's go inside Stanford so that you can see all the maps. We'll keep a social distance. I'll go in first. Oh, it's wonderful to be in a bookshop again. <laughs> Welcome to the first of a new occasional series, Emerging from Lockdown. This is Katrina Oliphant. As non-essential businesses slowly begin to reopen, we wanted to find out how some of our favourite shops had been faring during lockdown and how they are now managing the challenges of gradually emerging from it. Our first port of call is world-famous map and travel shop Stanford's. As a lifelong traveller, it's a shop I have known and loved for many years. Whether it's country maps of Afghanistan or ordnance survey maps for walking in Wales, you can be sure to find what you need at Stanford's. It's a gloriously hot summer's day and I'm in Stanford's wonderfully cool new premises in Mercer Walk in London's Covent Garden. At a social distance away is Vivian Godfrey, chairman and CEO of Stanford's, who has been running the business since March 2018. And there's a family connection. Welcome to Stanford's and thank you for choosing us to be part of your series, Emerging from the Lockdown. My grandfather, Ernest Gordon Godfrey, joined the George Philip Group in 1919. And the George Philip Group was actually founded about the same time as Stanford's in the mid to late 1800s. George Philip focused more on atlases, textbooks, and globes. Stanford's focused more on the flat maps. So the two businesses were rather different, but they did compete. They were both producing maps at the golden era of the start of travel and exploration for the ordinary man. So my grandfather joined in 1919 after serving in the army in the First World War. He worked for the group in an editorial capacity. He loved writing. He rejoined the army, served in the Second World War. And immediately after the Second World War, the Stanford family decided that they did not want to continue running the business. In fact, the owners of the business were all army officers themselves. And they reached an agreement to sell the company to the George Philip Group. So at that point, my grandfather was still with the George Philip Group, and he did become chairman of Stanford's, which was operated as a separate division from the other parts of the company. In 1949, my father, Patrick, joined the company. I should mention both my grandfather and father have degrees in geography from Oxford University, as do I. So it's a family tradition, if you like. My father joined the firm, and in his time, he became the chairman of Stanford's. Then there were a couple of people between he and I now as chairman, and I'm delighted to be given the opportunity to be at the helm of this iconic business. And how did you come into the business? Because I think you wanted to go into it from university. I did. I studied geography and was very interested at the time in coming into the business. But my father was quite insistent. He said, no, I really think it's important that you go and do some other things, get experience in other fields. So I joined a consulting firm, McKinsey & Company. 
After a number of years with them, I joined Diageo. And so I've pretty much had a career in retail and consumer packaged goods. I also moved while I was working for Diageo to the United States. And I've lived most of the last 30 years in the US. I'm married to an American. I have dual citizenship. And I own a business in Florida that also has a geographical connection. Yes, it does. The company that I own with my husband is called Blue Water Books and Charts. And we are located in Fort Lauderdale. That is the epicenter of the super yacht industry for the world. There are about 8,000 super yachts afloat, and roughly one third of them pass through Fort Lauderdale every year. So it's a great location to be to provide navigation and safety products to them, which is what we do. I often tell people that Blue Water is a little bit like Stanford's for the ocean. But actually, Stanford's in its time did publish nautical charts. And so one of the things that I've tried to do over the past couple of years is to really get us back into the nautical charting business. We don't publish our own charts, but we are the only British Admiralty authorised distributor in London. And we also sell private nautical charts such as the Imray charts. We sell IMO publications, the International Maritime Organisation. So we have grown our maritime business a fair bit over the past couple of years. You joined the business at an interesting time because the Stanford that I'm most familiar with is the old premises on Longacre. And now we're in this lovely shop in Mercer Walk. Do you want to tell me a bit about the move and why the move and how it's going now? Yeah, so Stanford's first business was located in Charing Cross, which really we think of now as Trafalgar Square. And The business moved around several times in the first 50 or 60 years of its existence. In the early 1900s, they moved to their fifth premises at 12 to 14 Longacre. And I say that with emphasis because most of our customers imagine that the Longacre home has been home forever, and that's not the case. So I'm quite fond of telling people not to be too sentimental about it. It's simply that we have moved now from the fifth premises to what is our new premises here, the sixth. We were coming to the end of a lease in Longacre. Many people, of course, assumed that we still owned the building, which we didn't. And it seemed the right opportunity with increasing rents and also greatly increased rates to look for somewhere that would be less expensive, but not too, too far away because my primary home is still in Fort Lauderdale, I rented a flat and I walked every day around and around the Covent Garden area, South Bloomsbury, over into Soho. I even went as far as Pimlico. And at one point we found a premises that we really liked that we thought that we might move to. But very fortunately, I was walking one day and I noticed that there was a for lease sign on the space here in Mercer Walk. So I immediately called the agent, had a chance to view the premises and said, wow, this has to be it because it's only 100 meters from where we were for many years. We moved ourselves staff members, members of the board. We got trolleys, we wheeled, we packed boxes, we moved everything ourselves in about 10 days. The only thing that we had to use a moving company for was one of our very large plotters that we used to print charts and maps on demand. They are quite expensive and sophisticated pieces of equipment, so we had to have somebody professional move those. So we moved by the end of January 2019, which means that 
it was almost exactly a year after the move that COVID-19 started to make its impact. We closed on March the 24th. We closed all of our five different premises because we have an office in Manchester, a Welland Garden City warehouse, we have a shop in Bristol, and we have a small office near Tilbury Docks. So all has been closed. We have managed to maintain a small amount of over-the-phone and web business. But really, in the scheme of things, it's a tiny trickle. And we are so looking forward to being able to open our doors again. With the government guidelines saying that we can reopen on the 15th of June, that will be our plan. I doubt, though, that we will unfurlough all of our employees at the same time. I understand that the government is going to bring into place a number of different options if we want to bring people back less than full time. So we'll have to look at that. And obviously, we want to make sure that customers coming here feel completely comfortable. I would love to be able to open our cafe because Mercer Walk is a beautiful outdoor courtyard. It's got lovely seating area. And so I think people can come and enjoy Stanford's and the maps and the books, but also enjoy our cafe while sitting outside at a suitable social distance. Because I'm a director of the company, not an employee, I'm not furloughed. So I've been answering the telephone and handling web orders and assisting people and so on. I've tried to see if there's some sort of pattern to what people have been buying. I can't really discern one, but what I can tell you is after people were allowed to go out more, they have been buying maps for walking and bicycling in their local areas. I remember when you came to Stanford's because you wanted to buy a book and a map for bicycle routes in London for both yourself and a friend. And that put me in mind of an email that I received from Will Pearson, who is the current owner. I think he's either the fifth or the sixth generation owner of Pearson Cycles, who are the oldest bicycle shop in London. He saw the article in The Times about me and Stanford's moving. This was nearly two years ago. He emailed me and said, oh, I would love to meet you because we have a similar challenge. We may need to move our premises that we've been in for years and years and years, and it would be great just to kick around some ideas. It makes me think of the fact that cycling is booming now, and Pearson's cycles, I would be fascinated to know what the impact of COVID-19 has been on their business. I can only imagine they have been doing a roaring trade of people needing to get their bicycles out of mothballs and be repaired and go out and enjoy the outdoors. People are definitely buying books to think about where they might go on holiday once they have the chance to start traveling again. People have certainly been buying lots of games and puzzles. And of course, we only sell puzzles that involve maps and geographical themes. Also, I noticed that people perhaps have been doing redecorating or thinking about decorating. We've been selling maps for people to hang on their walls at home. We sell lovely, lovely wrapping paper, which also doubles as posters. So we sold lots of that. We do have a huge thank you to say to Levison Wood, who had planned to have the launch for his book, The Rise and Fall of the African Elephant, The Last Giants, at the beginning of April here at Stanford's. It is a marvelous book. We've been selling copies and giving 10% of sales to the charity that Levison Wood supports called the Tusk Trust. We are up to close to 1,000 copies sold. So that's been very exciting for us during the lockdown. Now, I know you've got some really, really interesting past customers. Do you want to tell me about a few of those? 
Yes, Stanford's started making maps from 1853 when the company was founded and quite rapidly developed a reputation which meant that anyone and everyone who was traveling somewhere, not necessarily a great explorer like Stanley and Livingston, who were customers, but needed maps for other purposes. And I have in front of me a copy of the book called The Mapmakers, A History of Stanford's. And I'm just going to see if I can find the page that has a copy of a note from Florence Nightingale thanking Stanford's for a mounted map. We can't quite tell if the date is 1864 or 1884. Her handwriting is not entirely clear. Anyway, she says, Dear Sirs, thank you for your great kindness in mounting the two irrigation maps of India. So it had nothing to do with her service as a nurse in the Crimea, which of course is very relevant in this time of the Nightingale Hospital. But she did work in many other places and she wanted a map for use in her work in India to support the creation of irrigation schemes that would allow more crops to be grown and more people to be fed to alleviate hunger. Further along in the book, we have a note from Winston Churchill thanking Stanford's. And of course, anyone who's ever read The Hound of the Baskervilles will remember Sherlock Holmes sending Dr. Watson down to Stanford's to get a map. So Stanford's has found its way into the history of Britain in all sorts of ways. We still provide maps and charts to the military. There are also other services at this time of COVID-19 that need our maps. I had a wonderful gentleman from the post office who called up and pleaded with me to open so that he could come and get several atlases. He explained that members of the post office delivering posts have been reassigned. And so some of them are driving around in areas that they don't know. And it doesn't really matter that they have a sat-nav. They need to have an atlas which has the detailed street mapping in it. So I did open up specially for him to come and collect several atlases. And I can think of at least one order that we've done for, I think it was a helicopter crew that needed some mapping. So certainly we still provide all sorts of maps to different branches of the armed services. I think after the lockdown ends more people will take holidays in the United Kingdom. There's going to be many restrictions on flying and taking ferries to leave our sceptred isle. So I imagine that there will be a demand for travel books and maps for the United Kingdom. That has been noticeable already, but I think it will continue. Obviously, we try to keep up with the times, and I think that for us it means being an omni-channel retailer. And what do I mean by that? I mean that we need to have physical shops. We have our London shop and our Bristol shop. And before the lockdown, we were on the verge of signing a lease for our new Manchester shop. I sincerely hope that that will still go ahead. But our web business is also really important to us. And you might be surprised to hear this, but answering customers' queries on the telephone is incredibly important. We get a lot of phone inquiries from people because even though 
they can look at our website. Sometimes it's not clear to them whether they should choose this map or that map. We provide as much information as we can, such as the date that the map was published, the area of coverage, the scale, whether it includes any insets of more detailed plans, all of those types of things. But even that might not be sufficient. And so that's when we get the telephone call. Long may it continue because we know that there are giant web-only businesses that absolutely will not pick up the telephone and answer a query that you have. So we hope that by doing this, we will maintain a loyal customer base. Well, it's now time for me to get back on my bicycle back to North London. Thank you, Vivian, for a delightful conversation and the best of luck with reopening. Thank you. Oh, there's Marco. He's our cafe manager. Marco. Hello, come on in. Stay at a social distance. Yes. yes. Oh, that's great. Um, I'm good. In fact, it's funny. I was just outside watering the flowers.